Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. Here is your host, Tom Verbruggen. Hey, and uh, welcome back to already episode four of the Drone Business Talk. Uh, we are back with our CEO series, and today's guest is Mr. Kush Gadia, the COO of Astral Aerial. Astral Aerial is a division of Astral Aviation, an air cargo company based in Nairobi, Kenya. Astral Aerial specializes in remote drone operations and furthermore in mapping and locust control. Kush has a strong background in aviation, he's a private pilot himself, and he's a passionate outdoors enthusiast. Welcome, Kush. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Tom. Hope you're keeping well. Yeah, we're doing we're doing fine. Uh, I hope you too. Um, Kush, great to have you on uh, on our podcast, um, talking about Astral Aerial based out of Nairobi, Kenya. And and one thing I find really fascinating about Astral Aerial is the link that you have with with the bigger aviation, the air cargo operations of, of Astral Aviation. So how, how did you make that link? Where did that link come from? Okay, sure. So perhaps I can give you a bit of background on uh, Astral Aviation that follows through into Astral Aerial. Uh, briefly is that uh, Astral Aviation is, uh, is a cargo airline based out of Nairobi at uh, Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. Uh, we fly um, all over East Africa and up into Europe. And uh, around four years ago, we decided that uh, we'd like to look at um, how we could use drones to supplement uh, and you know, improve some of our routes using unmanned uh, cargo drones. And that's where uh, the whole astral aerial idea was born. And uh, of course, as you can imagine, along the way, uh, four years down the line, we've, we've come a long way. Um, aside from issues with uh, regulations and the like, um, we are now focusing on, um, we've actually pivoted the business to initially focus on mapping, as you correctly mentioned. And uh, we, we've currently got a, a special focus right now on the desert locusts crisis right now. And uh, so, you see, uh, right now with, with Astral Aerial, we're able to, to benefit a lot from the Astral Aviation uh, background, uh, the experience, and we're able to leverage that in some of our approvals and uh, really make use of uh, some of the, the post holders in Astral Aviation. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Astral Aviation in, in terms of the, the types of technology that you use, the, uh, the people that work for it, how many pilots and so on, the interesting metrics on that one? Sure. So I think uh, you, 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 you meant Astral Aerial, right? So, Sorry, Astral uh, Aerial, yeah. Yeah, no problem. So Astral Aerial, currently we've got a, we've got a team of 10 people right now. Uh, we've got around uh, four drone pilots right now. Uh, currently we're operating a fleet of uh, Sensifly EB drones, uh, that's for mapping. And we've got a fleet of uh, DJI Agris T16 uh, spraying drones as well. Uh, so we, we, we really try to, you know, try to keep, um, you know, use drones that are uh, widely used around the world that are well tested. So that's why we tend to stick to some of the bigger brands, uh, Sensifly on the mapping side, and of course, DJI on the, on the multi-rotor side. Yeah. Uh, you said you started four years ago with the idea you pivoted recently. Um in terms of volume, how many how many flights are you are you doing uh, lately? Okay, so I think uh, the best way to put it is that uh, since the new regulations were approved in Kenya, we've actually started uh, our, you know you know our full scale operations from around August when we received our first uh, actual approval. This is August this year, so you can imagine all those years of not really doing much. Uh, so successfully, this uh, since August we've completed 
would, I would say in excess of uh, four, four to 500 flights. Uh, this is primarily targeted towards the desert locust. And uh, th those number of flights are due to the fact that the DJI Agra Spring drone can only do around 10 to 12 minutes. So with that, uh, we've done several hours of, of uh, flying on that platform. Okay. Uh, and so what you said is that you started out as a, as a mapping, uh, in, in the, into mapping, uh, and then you used the, uh, probably the Sense uh, Fly uh, drone. Yeah. Uh, and now you're moving more into the locust control. What kind of equipment do you need? Is that where they use the Agress? Exactly. So um, I'll give you an example. So right now with the mapping side, we're currently mapping uh, uh, lots of smallholder farmers as part of a World Bank project in one of the counties in Kenya. We're trying to see uh, the status of some of the uh, smallholder farms to see what they're growing, uh, you know, if they're doing, um, if they're, you know, capturing rainwater, that sort of, you know, th those, that sort of information. And then, uh, so that's that's the mapping side of it. On and you know, on the spring side, we've got the commercial spring, and also what we do on the locust side. That's where we use the DJI Agris T16. Yeah, I, I remember because we we met we met uh, each other just prior to the African Drone Forum, uh, which was held this year in uh, in Kigali, uh, in the month of February. I remember you told me that there is there is huge impact that you can have with drones. Uh, we can call it even drones for good um, when it when it comes to agricultural control. When you you told me about some of the plantations like bananas, where you can go into the or fly over the plot and to see where exactly the uh, the next tree needs to be planted. Can, can you can you say something about the impact that has drone applications? Sure, so I can give an industry? example. Uh, one of one of the farms that we are flying over. Uh, had recent had just planted their bananas and they were just sprouting at the time. So I think the best case we can, the best information we can give you is that uh, we were able to identify gaps in the planting. So you would see a, you know, a, a small banana tree and then you'd miss, then they would perhaps miss the next one and onto the next one. So from, from the ground, of course, it's very difficult to, to actually walk through the farm and see where those gaps are. But, you know, from the, from a map, you could easily determine what is the missing, uh, you know, where are the missing plants and how does that impact your yield? So I think it's important that in the agricultural space, you see how you can tie everything to increasing yield of the farmer. And that's how you can have the biggest benefit. So if you're able to tell a farmer that uh, perhaps uh, they're running at a current uh, you know, 80% capacity on their each block, uh, you know, how can they increase that, uh, you know, up to 9,500%? And, you know, using, using that kind of data, giving them, you know, the gap analysis, uh, sort of which areas need to be, uh, you know, relooked at by the agronomist on the ground, and uh, see how we can tie all of that into a package and uh, and provide it to the farmer so that they can make the best decisions. Yeah, yeah. Then moving on to the locust, it's not a choice that you had to make. It's probably something that has been thrown upon you. Uh, Kenya had a a big, um, yeah, plague now uh, in the last months. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So uh, we've had this uh, desert locust crisis for slightly over a year now. And uh, so the desert locust crisis is, you know, it's all, it's all the way from, you know, Yemen down to Somalia, uh, you know, the whole East African region, Ethiopia, Kenya. So this is, it's been a real big problem because I think, I believe we're on, uh, we have quite a few generations down of locusts now, and uh, they seem to be ravaging, uh, you know, ravaging the terrain and, you know, having a real bad impact on, uh, on, on the farmers in Ethiopia and Kenya so I think uh, what we wanted to look into is, uh, you know, how can we use drones 
uh, to to spray them and and you know use them as an additional technology to you know for the control. So I think what was important to note is that uh, there are currently no SOPs on how to use drones for how to use sprayer drones for this use case. So it was first important to, to determine what are the best ways to operate the drone, what are the best um, you know parameters, you know what are the best heights, the best flow rates, uh, the best technologies um, in the drone space to have the biggest impact. So right now, where the project is currently being funded by uh, the FCDO, and uh, so we've, we've got a grant with that, and we've got uh, two partners with us on board, uh, IMC Worldwide and um, through the Frontier Tech Hub uh, live streaming uh, group, and then uh, Kabi, which is another organization that's part of uh, assists us with the technical assistance and some of the research behind the program. So with that, we're trying to uh, determine what are the best parameters to fly drones for Locust, and it's, been, it's taken a taken up most of our time uh, for you know the past quarter three to quarter four that's what we've been doing so we've had operations uh, commercial operations in Ethiopia uh, with the with the Ministry of Agriculture in Ethiopia and in Kenya it's under a project uh, that's funded by the FCDO and and are these type of operations they are like for the they're for the common good they're not really commercial uh, I mean it's not like going to film a, a real estate uh in order to determine the price of the of the of the of the plot but um in this case are you then uh guided by civilian rules or is this uh different types of rule sets that you need to follow so uh, we we, are, we have an approval for uh, the desert locust work uh, so we're approved in all the counties in kenya that face this problem um so if we we do have rules that we follow i'll you know i've got them on on my approval sheet i can't list them off the top of my head with general visual line of sight rules, uh, you know, nothing complicated with drones. You, you're, with the spraying drones, you're not flying too high. And uh, some of the areas you are, uh, you know, less risky areas. So, you know, if, even if you were to have, God forbid, uh, you know, perhaps a crash, it would not be, uh, you know, it wouldn't be on top of somebody's house or something like that. It's, it's, it's in a field, uh, you know, quite remote. So we, we still follow the visual line of sight rules. We fly during the day. And uh, yeah, so it's it's just been um, it's, it, it is as you're saying it is it's not a commercial operation uh, the, the the Kenyan operation. So uh, you know the the main reason behind that is that we need to develop standards on how to use this technology for desert locusts before it's applied commercially. And uh, the data we we capture and I mean the data and our learnings that we capture from this program we would like to share with uh, you know other drone operators around the world. So in the case where uh, you know perhaps there is a you know another desert locus situation that arises in the next 20 or 30 years, they're able to, to use the same technology then, of course, with, uh, with, with learnings that we made. Yeah. I, I find it um, a very interesting uh, situation whereby, especially uh, some of the Af- African applications that are, that are happening, they are actually driving the legislation. Whereas in Europe, Uh, or or in in Northern America, you will see that first regulations are being built and then depending on that regulation, you can start building your application. But in in the African context, you see a need arising uh, or out of a need arises the application and then the regulation is being uh, adopted to that. that. Is that a correct assumption that I'm making here? I, I think in, in certain countries uh, that is correct. I believe that's the case in Rwanda. Uh, you know, the need arose for to do the blood deliveries, and of course, uh, Zipline was able to to fill that role. And of course, the regulation follows suit from there. Um, of course, in Kenya, we have a different set of uh, rules. We, we we don't have standardized regulations in Africa, so 
our our regulator you know took the stance that it should develop uh, regulations first uh, then allow then provide approval so it needed the framework first before it could give approval so that's that was in our case uh, but of course as as you know with technology it's something you you can't really stop or you can't really slow down so that's why you know even before our regulations were approved there were still uh, a lot of drone operations going on uh, but still it's just a matter of you can't stop technology it just it just happens too quick so the regulator in most cases has to follow yeah yeah what is the what is the current situation in 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 Kenya or or eastern africa in, in, as a whole what, what what does the business the drone business look like where, where are we standing and where are we going um I, i think right now where we're standing is a lot of focus around the agricultural space uh you know a lot of a lot of companies in, in the mapping space uh, you know surveyors that are you know uh, increasing um the, you know their offering to drones so that they could offer better service along those lines of course the the whole journalism part has a big has a big role to play uh you know the tourism sector and and the like so i think uh generally the industries will start with that um then we'll see a slow, you know a progress into you know more industrial inspections uh followed by uh, you know soon deliveries where uh, you know a country like ours would soon be ready to approve beyond visual line of sight uh um approvals and you know give that to you know perhaps companies that would be wanting to deliver so definitely we see you know use cases that are less risky more acceptable initially as the, the regulator improves and the country's capacity to fly drones improves then so does the regulation follow and that's when we see more and more heavy duty sort of uh, applications arising you know deliveries inspections you know that sort of thing and that's a, that's a growth that is projected over the next when will we see the big the big rise in in drone operations um i i think we uh, in, in kenya we're on we're on the verge of of having that uh, huge jump where uh, uh, soon uh, beyond visual line of sight uh, you know regulations and approvals could be given soon you know granted that the right safety case is shown uh, so i think it's 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 really a matter of uh, how does the regular look, how does the regulator look at it from on a case to case basis and uh, from the, from there an approval can be given so i think as at astral aerial we we are you know right on the right on the edge of receiving one of those approvals to 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 do deliveries here in kenya so we had some partnerships in place that uh, could make that a reality here okay and and what is the biggest challenge that that uh, that maybe on the kenyan side but if you can look at it maybe on the eastern african uh, context as well what is the biggest challenge that the drone industry needs to overcome to to make that growth happen um yeah i i definitely think uh um apart from the regulation i think that's that's very fairly well known that regulation is of course uh, a hurdle but i think the other thing is of course that uh, uh, there may be a lack of capacity right now in kenya and i think uh, rightly so the the regulator is starting to approve training academies here in kenya so that will definitely have a huge impact on on you know how many people know how to use drones correctly uh, you know safely and that once the ecosystem is built around that safely then we'll see a, a sharp increase in drone operations here and uh, the market really growing. Yeah. So I think the capacity building is an important one. And I also feel that uh, perhaps in some cases um, we need to look inwards in the country rather than look outwards for, you know, for expertise from abroad. I think there is a lot locally that can be get, that can be gained. Uh, a lot of people locally that have been doing some drone operations all, you know, all around the world that, uh, you know, can be leveraged can be spoken to and i think that's an, another big thing is that we should also look uh, within our own boundaries before looking out yeah 
Now, Astral Aerial, with being such an international company doing uh, or having such a, uh, an international parent company, let's say, uh, doing international operations, what, what, what is the vision and where, where the strategy goes for, for Astral Aerial? Where Are you going to stay uh, in, around Kenya uh, or uh, Ethiopia or all, also other countries? Um, definitely. Well, uh, the way we the way we see it is that uh, the main goal of Astral Aerial is to use uh, uh, cargo drones to supplement the current offering of Astral Aviation to support some destinations that are not easily accessible or would be safer to operate using drones. So we hope uh, to see a future where we can fly cross border with larger cargo drones of uh, you know one ton and above. And uh, I think re really reaching those destinations, we, we bypassing airports on either side and going directly to where, uh, you know, the goods are required would definitely be a goal of the company. But definitely on the larger side is something we feel uh, we have a, a bigger focus on. I see. And and uh, I remember that we we spoke about this in uh, in Kigali this uh, earlier this year. Uh, and I think you're doing some testing, no, with, with larger um, cargo drones. Um, of course, so we, 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 we look to be using uh, larger cargo drones such as a singular aircraft Flyox. Uh, they've been doing a lot of testing in Spain and other parts of the world. And uh, of course, we are trying to bring that drone here, but we do have partnerships with the likes of Drone Delivery Canada, which has a, you know, an unmanned helicopter with, with a sizable payload as well. Uh, so yeah, so, so some of these partnerships in place, and we do have a, a scope of works to start uh, bringing those drones here for testing and onwards into uh, commercial use. So definitely, we, there, there is a pipeline for that, and uh, we hope to, you know, quarter one to quarter two that we'd be uh, sort of mobilizing those those efforts. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very interesting. I, I saw I saw the presentation uh, uh, this year about the Fly Ox, and that was really uh, impressive to see what the capabilities are of of uh, of delivering goods uh, landing on the water, and uh, yeah, very very impressive. Um, Kush, a question that comes uh, back in in each of the episodes. Um, we're 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 recording this, of course, now in in full COVID crisis. How how did that impact um, your business? Um, and and even some say that some of the, that that COVID uh, has accelerated some of the use of drones. Well, what is your take on that? Okay, so so definitely on the side of astral aviation, uh, on the cargo side, uh, we've seen our operations uh, increase. Uh, simply more, you know, there's there's more to transport, uh, less less planes flying around. So uh, there is a bigger need to start transporting, uh, you know, you know, goods all over the place, PPEs and the like. So on the astral aviation front, there has been an increase in operations. I think on on the astral aerial side, um, uh, we perhaps may not have been uh, too too much affected. We've still been operating uh, under under the grant with the for, you know for the desert locus control work. It sort of falls under an emergency operation. So we do have the ability to to go past some of the curfew hours and, and the like to to get out onto the field to do the work. So I don't think as as a company at Astralia we've been affected too much. We've been, you know, we're, we're quite grateful to receive the funding uh, from, you know, from the sources that we have that uh, we can still continue. So on, on that side, we we are grateful that we can still operate during these tough times. Yeah. Okay. Um Maybe the last question uh, on, on this podcast episode. Um, when do you see when do you see fully autonomous drones? Um, and we, we've been seeing great great progress being made um, of technology that, that is being adopted by drones, but you still need a, you still need a human being. When will we see the, uh, the fully autonomous uh, system you think? 
Um, I, I think uh, if you look at Rwanda's operation with Zipline, I, I believe they do have uh, almost uh, autonomous operation. I mean, everything seems to be running uh, just with some with some basic oversight, with, which I think will always be a requirement uh, in, in this part of the world where some oversight may not be a bad thing. Um, so I, I think it, it, it is already being done in Rwanda. Um, I think it takes a bit of time in countries which haven't adopted, you know, full beyond visual line of sight regulations or or the acceptance may not be uh, as high right now, but it is something that's coming. So I, I would I would predict something in the maybe in the next uh, two years or so, uh, we could be having uh, you know fully autonomous drone operations, uh, perhaps in some countries in East Africa. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I still have one more last question then. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I just remembered that I I wanted to know because in one of the last episodes we we talked to um, Robin Cock, the CEO of Premier Mapping. And and they said that it's very important to stay ahead of the curve in terms of, of technology uh, in order to be competitive in the drone business. Um, and he said it's very important to always innovate, to always look for new ways. Uh, how, do, how, do, how do you feel about that, Kush? Um, isn't, is that something that is reasonable to say or does it all also impact your business in terms of investment a bit too much that you always need to be ahead of the curve? I think being ahead of the curve uh, in, in in the early stage of an industry where uh, perhaps some of the some of the ways people do business right now, let's say if you're looking at the inspection space here in Kenya, perhaps shifting somebody from binoculars to a drone to do inspections that that is a big jump in in in, in you know the previous how they previously do it and how they do it now. So that could be seen as where we are right now. But if you look at perhaps in South Africa where people are competing on you know how how what sort of equipment they're carrying on the drone, I guess it becomes a bit more complicated. But uh, uh, definitely it, it is expensive to to keep upgrading your payloads, to keep upgrading your your, your platform. So definitely with, with the right business behind it and the right uh, revenues, I'm sure it's possible. I believe that's the case for premium mapping. But uh, uh, Matt Astral, we need, to, we need to take small steps, uh, you know, use the technology wisely, try to spread the use of the drone. So it's not only used for one thing, it could be used for other use cases. And, you know, slowly, slowly build up where eventually, um, you know, we, we would be able to always have the most latest technology, all the latest payloads. But I definitely think that's the, that is a process. South Africa and Kenya may be a, a two different, uh, at different levels. Of course, South Africa being more at the cutting edge. So, of course, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, where we are located and um, where we are as you know, different industries in Kenya. And uh, eventually, how will we uh, get to that stage where we're always on the cutting edge? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that analysis, Kush. Uh, I also want to thank you for coming on this episode of uh, Drone Business Talk, our podcast. Uh, as always, we will put the links to Astral Aerial's uh, website and activities and contact details below this uh, this episode. Um Thanks again, Kush, for having uh, for coming on, on, on our podcast. I hope uh, you do well, you keep safe, and uh, I, I hope to speak to you soon. Drone Business Talk is brought to you by iDroneact, the drone management platform. iDroneact makes it easy to fly professional drones in safe, legal, and profitable way. iDroneact clears the air so you can focus on your mission and fly more.